The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson here for a pun further review. Uh, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can always jump in on the recording of this very show. Uh, thanks to all of you that are with us at youtube.com slash cover3. And if you missed it, hey, uh, try to you know arrange that schedule so that you can maybe pull up that second screen. Well, maybe we'll come up with a boss button like they do for the NCAA tournament so that you can uh, check it out at work. We've got a lot to get to today. The very significant injury news coming out of multiple places, including Clemson which will have our spotlight when we look at some of the AP poll changes, uh, AP poll versus coaches poll for Penn State and Oklahoma, and, of course, our upon further review. But I wanted to start with just a, a, quick, um, a quick word and look at uh, a coaching change that did not quite require a lighting of the sirens. Uh, but I do think that as we try to have a good uh, angle on all these coaching changes, and I think that we do a good job of covering them, I felt like we should mention it first because Georgia Southern has decided that after a 1-3 and three start, Chad Lunsford is out. So as we look at it, I, I think the two questions that are um, interesting first is number one, uh, what do you think about this job? This is a, a very proud program because of its national championships at the FCS level. It's a list of alumni and not alumni, but it's former coaches is somewhat star studded. You know, it, it's done a good job, at least in, in the past and especially in the FCS era of being able to move coaches on both assistants and also head coaches to other power five and FBS opportunities. So what kind of job do you think this is? What are your expectations for it? What are reasonable expectations for Georgia Southern? And then, of course, um, and we don't need to go too long on this. If you've got any thoughts, suggestions or otherwise, remember, Cover 3 podcast will be your search firm. We will undercut Parker and whoever else you're out there. I, I, we will. We will charge less than those other search firms. Uh, it's something that we feel very qualified in doing just based on being podcast hosts. So uh, for Georgia Southern being open, um, what what do we make of the news and what do we make of the job? I mean, it's 
I think that it's a good group of five job. I think that clearly they do care about football and they take it seriously and they want to win or else they wouldn't be making the decision, you know, four games into the season to make the change. And they've showed, you know, like Lunsford got the job when they fired Tyson Summers because things were going terribly there. They weren't running the option. They brought in Lunsford. He brought the option back and things started off well, but they've been trending the wrong direction the last few years. So they're just kind of, they're not going to waste time. They're like, okay, this clearly isn't working. We want to make the move. And they're getting it. And I think that, I mean, I don't know who the coach is going to be, but considering how important running the option is, I feel like there are very few logical candidates. And the one that I think's made the most sense from the people that I've heard so far is Brian Bohannon from Kennesaw State, who was an assistant at Georgia Southern back in the late 90s, early 2000s of under, uh, was he on Paul Johnson's staff? He, they run the same thing. Yeah. He was at Georgia Tech with Paul Johnson. Yeah. I don't remember if he was at Georgia Southern with Paul Johnson or not, but may have been. Yeah, but I think that's a name that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know. I think I think this is a program that has shown ever since it made the move up from FCS to the FBS level, it can compete in the Sun Belt. It's just it hasn't been able to do it the last few years. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to begrudge him for firing a guy, right? Like, he, he was not trending to have a good year. He had had some up and down success there, just not anything special. Uh, but I, I do think that Georgia Southern is a program. Look, I love that they're passionate about it. That's why people listen to us, right? They believe in their team, sometimes unrealistically so. But the move up, just ask TCU, ask Utah, ask all those teams about it. Like, you're you're probably not going to be the top dog in your league like you used to be when you were in a, a lesser conference or a lesser league. And have they won the Sun Belt yet? No, they won no. 10 games uh, in 2018. That was the first year that Lunsford was the full-time head coach after he took over four summers in the middle of 2017. And, you know, they that was only a couple of years ago. They were went, been to bowl games, but their record, as you mentioned, has been going – it's like 6-2, and 5-3, and 4-4 four and four in some belt play. It's been trending in the wrong direction. And they were third in the East that year. Their, their, their 10 win year, you know, so like they had South Carolina State, UMass on, on the schedule as well, um, New Mexico State. I look good for them if they, if they can do better. Awesome. I and I think they probably can do better. How much better? Still to be determined. Uh, I'll if I'm a player on that team, I don't know. I'm kind of like, all right, and I think this is what you're seeing happen at USC to some extent. You throw in the towel on the coach after four games. What, what kind of message are you sending? I just I'm not a fan of early season dismissals, you know. And you know, we talked a lot about Clay Helton. It was the opportunity. Maybe they were just waiting for that glaring opportunity because they wanted to make it and didn't want to let him salvage a nine and three season. So let's do it now. I'm not too dialed in on the inner workings of Georgia Southern's like state of their head coach. I just don't like the message it sends now. Are you really in a position where you had to get out in front of the coaching search because it's that competitive? I don't know. I just, it's the business side of the sport that I don't love. Um, I don't think this does any good for your program to do it this early. But hey, I mean, like, I think a lot of this probably has to do with the fact that the Sun Belt is viewed as a really strong conference. And we've seen some teams get really national recognition in the last few years for having a ton of success on the big stage and Georgia Southern sitting there thinking, why why aren't we getting some of that attention? Well, you have to be good. And they think the best move they can make is to fire the head coach because they've 
seen the top side and it was in its year one and then it's kind of regressed. So they want to start churning and that churn, man, it, it it's from a Florida state guy. That churn can be dangerous. You keep churning through coaches. Like that's exactly all you're doing is churning through coaches. Yeah. I, I do have to say like, they obviously think things are trending in the wrong direction, but I, I do side with you guys and what you're saying there in that I know they're one in three to start the season, but this is also a team that has gone to bowl games each of the last three seasons under Lunsford. It's not like it's been a disastrous start. Maybe you haven't won as much as you would like to in that 10 win season in that first full year. Maybe that set the expectation too high. But I also think that if you look at the way they've played this year, their lone win was a five point win against Gardner Webb, which granted, you know, not exactly what you're going to feel great about. But their losses, I mean, they got crushed by Florida Atlantic on the road. They got killed by an Arkansas team that's now in the top 10, and they lost to a Louisiana team that we were all projecting to be the best team in the conference. So I just, I don't know. I mean, they should probably be two and two at best at this point. So the fact that you're one and three instead of two and two, I, I, I don't know if there's other stuff going on that we don't know about or whatever, but I just, I do feel like it is somewhat early to pull the trigger. But at the same time, if you feel like, if you feel a certain way, I'd rather my AD wasn't hesitant and just pulled the trigger if he, they thought they were going to make that move anyway. Yeah. Like, got, so, sorry. Ahead, well, my thought is it, it, there, there's a similarity to Clay Helton here, right? Where if you want to fire the guy, do it now because there's a chance he actually could finish okay down this slate. Right, I mean, he finishes Arkansas State. Troy just lost to Louisiana Monroe. Georgia State, you know, has looked very up and down. Coastal, Texas State. There's a chance he could win four or five games, and that that may not be enough to you know to fire the guy. So if you want to get him, kind of get him out now while he doesn't have a chance to redeem himself. The athletic director showed up in the beginning of 2020, was handed leading the athletic department through a pandemic. And uh, and now I guess is finally starting to to get some footing there. I look and, and you mentioned Bud about the expectations of this program and trying to figure out you know where you sit, and that's where I would have to understand that there is such a unique community there, and the way that Statesboro rallies behind this football program, they're going to have some demands for what kind of football they want to see. Brian Van Gorder's memory. You know, that is, has got some people shook. I know that was 15 years ago, but, you know, when you try to stray away from the path, stray away from the plan, that's why, I, you know, throw out any number of the old Georgia Tech, Navy, Georgia Southern option style offensive coaches. I think any of them would be an, an interesting fit. Uh, we, we mentioned um, Ivan Jasper who was fired by Navy's athletic director, but brought back by Ken Niamatololo in another position. Well, if you want to talk about a nice landing spot, how about if Ivan Jasper could go from on the outs with your AD to being Georgia Southern said coach. He was an assistant for Paul Johnson uh, back at, before getting to Navy uh, in the late 90s. So, yep, candidates, you better know the community, you better have some connections, and you better play the kind of football that those uh, – those fans want to see, and you want to you want to win. And they, I saw somebody mention this, but they were definitely missing Shy Wertz this year. That <laughs> that guy did a lot to be able to uh, to help Georgia Southern in that offense. Click. Uh, in terms of uh, injury related headlines, boy, there's a laundry list. But I know that you uh, put out an all call to on Twitter, and it's always part of your process on Sunday as you're trying to go through and get your numbers straight uh, for Bud's bets. Uh, the the one that I thought we should just get right off the top, and we'll talk Clemson more uh, in, here in just a little bit, but Brian Brzee is going to be out for the year after a torn ACL. 
the the Clemson defensive tackle it it left the game in the third quarter in his absence. I mean, that was one of the ways that NC State beat Clemson was by using its offensive line and being able to control that game with the running with by running the football. So Brian Brzee's absence absolutely impacted all the way through the fourth quarter and both of the overtimes. Uh, James Skalski was knocked out of that game in the first quarter. So we've got uh, Brzee is going to be out for the rest of the year. Star running back Will Shipley in a twist of good news for Clemson when everything seems to be going bad. His injury on his knee is only going to keep him out about three or four weeks. It is not going to be something that requires surgery or shuts him down. So with Brzee as the headliner, um, what do we make of these Clemson injuries? And do you, do you think that this depth is ready to be able to really be tested in places like defensive line where we said, well, hey, if there's an injury, which is what we said after Tyler Davis, then they'll be cool. I mean, do you think Clemson will be cool? Is it all fine for uh, the Clemson injury report? I mean, if you're asking whether they're going to get back to playing like they normally get back to playing, uh, I, I don't think so. If you're asking me whether they think they're going to have another drop-off, like another new low, uh, I, I don't really think so there either. Right, I think this team, you know, can find a way to maybe win eight, nine games. They, they already have two losses. They're still, they're still the betting favorite to actually win the ACC as of this morning, which is, you know, kind of speaks to, to what the ACC is uh, at at this moment. But th- those are big losses because Tyler Davis, as you mentioned, is also out. So I mean, that's one of the reasons why we really liked this Clemson team is because of how dynamic they were up on the defensive front, and now you have two of their, the best players in the conference. Uh, who are going to be out for an extended period of time. So, yeah, it it certainly hurts. They have BC this weekend. You know, BC passing game-wise, eh. BC run game-wise, running the ball you know, better uh, this year than they did last year. So we'll have to see if the Eagles can do something to them there. I mean, yeah, this is – you, you mentioned it, Chip. We talked about it with the Tyler Davis injury, like – I said, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna suffer an injury on your defense and you're Clemson, that's the one place you want it to be. But now you that losing Brzee on top of Davis still being hurt, this is this is a Clemson team with a lot of problems. And while I think that defensively they're probably still gonna be good, if not great, when your offense is struggling the way that their offense has struggled this season, and I'm not sure that there's an easy answer to what the problems are on offense with that offensive line, like the margin for error gets thinner and thinner. So when you lose Brzee for the year, that takes away less margin for error. You're losing, you know, the running uh, Shipley for at least a month. That's going to hurt the offense. This is a team that like, they're in trouble. Like this, not like six and six, five and seven trouble, but this is a team that I can see losing two to three more games. If things keep going the way they are. And this offense keeps playing as poorly as it has. Like this is, this could be a very much like not a permanent step back season, but it could be like an eight and four kind of year for Clemson, where when you look at the way that the standards that they've had since in the college football playoff era and before that building up to it, that's a terrible season. And I think that right now that's very much in the realm of possibility. I um, Obviously, the injuries are going to hurt. I don't know if it hurts as much as their feelings right now. Like, and that to me is what I'm watching for Clemson. This will be Dabo's big. They have not been in this position six or seven years. So you have an entire class. 11. <laughs> 11. Like, this is like 2010 is the last time that Dabo has looked out on the field and said, oh, crap, we're, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. So you've had an entire – so no one on this roster has dealt with this type of adversity. No one on this roster has had to say, well – Let's give it our all because we want to make some bowl. Like, it's not the playoff. 
And that is a different dynamic. And we've seen different programs across the country struggle in this position. When your expectation is championship or bust, what happens when it goes bust this early in the season? I think it's a healthy culture. I really do. I think Dabo preaches family all in. I love it. I love what he preaches. It's going to get tested this year. Like how how invested is this team? And hey, the team before me. And, you know, we just got to go to work and keep putting forth our best, best effort. It'll look good. Like, I think it'll look good on the field, but practice, do they do they have the same motivation? Do they do they have that same hunger, that same desire to get a 10-win season? Like, is that enough to to get them really motivated? I don't know. I have and I it's not it's not the demise of Clemson or anything like that. I think it's just gonna be a really unique challenge for Dabo to get after his players and you know, to to make sure they're still as invested as they have been every other year. Because every other year you've been able to – well, it's only one loss, you know. We can still get back in the playoff. And they, they, they've they done it. They've gotten – they've won the ACC. They've done – they've still been able to accomplish all their goals. That's – I talk about that a lot is, you know, if you're the coach, you can go back into that room and you say, we can still accomplish all our goals. And what happens when you can't? Like, can you still sell the playoff as a two-loss team? No, 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 no. no. So, can, are they going to be as are they going to be as motivated to say, well, let's win our division or win an ACC when everybody's crapping on the ACC? Like, eh, like, what does that mean? I guess it's going to be a challenge for Dabo. Um, they uh, first of all, I had this slotted for later, but we'll we'll let's we'll stick with Clemson here because I, I think the conversation's good, and there's no reason for us to stop it and then come back to it. Uh. I, the reason why Clemson is still a betting favorite is because are you trusting, and I say this with love, are you trusting NC State with a one-game lead in the division over eight weeks? Like, like that's Because one game is good. They've got the head-to-head, and that is massive. And when you look at the ACC, for the most part, you're looking at NC State, um, Clemson, and obviously Wake Forest and Boston College where I think Wake Forest and Boston College probably need more losses. Like They needed to be six and two to be able to, and have the right head to heads to be able to win it. And then on the coastal side, I think you're looking at Miami, Pittsburgh and Virginia tech. <laughs> yeah. Because North not Carolina's ready. got two, not just conference losses, but two division losses like North Carolina, North Carolina is one of the only teams out of this whole ACC group that is out of the conference championship race. Clemson needs two NC state losses and to run the table the rest of the way which is why I think the gambling is still favoring Clemson to be able to do that, but it's in NC state's hands and then wake Forest and Boston college obviously need to uh, get in and cause all kinds of havoc. But Clemson is selling. We're going to win the ACC. This is what we do. We've got six straight conference championships. And I think that's the big message uh, for Clemson. So uh, important to note as well that, that NC state also lost a starting defensive tackle. Uh, I believe for the year, they announced that, you know, pregame. So it, there, there, you know, there are guys going down on, on both sides of this coastal race, and we'll see. I mean, w- Wake Forest lost a couple guys in the preseason, right? They lost Donovan Green, and they lost their starting uh, right tackle, I believe. Your boy yeah. Corey Durden stepped up. He played really well, um, and I guess he's the new nose guard. You know, now after uh, after that injury, he's got some ability, man. You know, I, I, I saw he deleted his Twitter. That's that's probably a really really good sign uh, for him there. You know, focus. <laughs> Danny knows what I'm talking about. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, but ultimately, I think with Clemson's defense, it's still hard to score on them, right? Um, Clemson, 
if you want to talk about why they're still ranked. Yeah, like, should they be ranked? That's the question, because they no, got all the no. way down to number 25 in the AP poll. They are higher in the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll have a better opinion of the Clemson Tigers. And, yeah, Roy's question was my biggest, uh, my, my AP poll rankings takeaway. Number one, should Clemson be ranked? I do not have an AP poll ballot. Um, I will say that on my CBS Sports 130 ballot, they are in the top 25. I probably lean a little bit more on the, like, forward-looking than resume-based rankings. I know the DK top eight is all resume. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm a little bit more on the like predictive power rating influence of which Clemson is still a top 15 team for me. Who, Why? Who do, have, who do you have Clemson ahead of on your ballot? I will tell you right now. I, well, Chip looks. I think Clemson, if you look at just their performance, easily has played like a top 25 team. First of all, I think NC State's a top 25 caliber team. I think they were kind of unlucky to lose at Mississippi State. And nobody has come close to playing with Georgia at all. And Clemson held Georgia's offense without a score. The only touchdown scored in that game. Like, Georgia but, Georgia may be the best team in the country so far this year. And but, Clemson, but what? Like, not, they lost, not to, I know, not but to, if you're evaluating quality of play no, 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 as opposed no. to just the end result. But I think we're valuing that Georgia game way too much. Like, I, yes. I, I get Georgia's been blowing points. out people. But, I mean, oh, it's, I, no offense to Four. Barton, R.I.P. Barton, but it was against Vanderbilt in South Carolina. Needed a last-second field goal to beat East Carolina. Like, these aren't – and that was my whole thing. We'll find out a lot more about Georgia this weekend. But at some point, you've got to penalize teams for losing. Like, you can't yeah. get points for looking close against Clemson or against Georgia in week one. Like, they should not – it's easy. This is the same thing that bothers me. I'm just glad now it's happened to an ACC team because I always get accused of being an ACC homer. We get way too much credit for our perception of teams before the season starts. And then when they don't perform, it's like, well, maybe they're still pretty good and they still have all this four- and five-star talent. They aren't playing like it, so they don't deserve to be in the top 25 right now. Yeah, Clemson Do you ranks. Think there are last... twenty-five teams who can play Georgia within a single score. No. Do, Do I think, think there are? are Do I think, think there are twenty-five teams that could beat the with Clemson the way Clemson's playing right now? Yeah. Really? You would yeah. Twenty-five teams you would favor over Clemson. Not favor, but that can beat them. Yeah. And you have to balance out. It's again, this isn't just like Vegas power rating style. No, I have them in the top twenty-five in my gambling perspective. But as far as like an AP poll or where they should be ranked based on what they're doing this season, hell no, they're not a top twenty-five team. They're dead last in the ACC in points per game, yards per game, and yards per play. And you can bring up the Georgia game and say, yeah, well, that's obviously skewing the numbers. It does. But this is still a team that averaged 4.3 yards per play while scoring 14 points against Georgia attack it was held to 4.37 yards per play against nc state the other night and he lost in double overtime only scored 20 points to get there they they've gone out i, I, I tweeted this stat last night let me check they they've gone three and out on 41.7 percent of their offensive possessions wow that's right. 115th nationally and last in the acc the the next worst team Florida State, and they're six and a half percent worse than Florida State. They've been terrible. They are not a top twenty-five team. I think Iowa was a top twenty-five team. I didn't like, yes, Iowa was really undefeated. good defense. Clemson a really good defense, and it's one. Clemson's really lost twice. Offenses. It's lost yeah. twice. It's only it's beaten South Carolina State and Georgia Tech by six. Woo! Fair. Go Clemson. That's fair, but <laughs> Iowa hasn't played Georgia, and they haven't played NC State. I mean, they played no. Iowa State team. I think NC State's better than. But no, but that's you know. I mean. I, Clemson, I was four, no. Clemson, Clemson two is a, it wins half the time. Top 25 teams win more than half the time. That's fair. Top 10 defense nationally. If you, you can, those are awful offensive statistics, but they 
they are an elite defensive team. And I think and that, they just lost an elite defensive player. I, and I now think too. I, I uh-huh. just think elite def, have being like a, a misplaced team is like still maybe a top 25 team. Okay. You ready for the list? Yeah. I, I need to hear this. Okay. So I can yell at you. All right. Uh, the teams that are ahead of Clemson. No, I want to know who you have them ahead of. Oh, uh, yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, Texas A&M, Fresno State, Coastal Carolina, UCLA, LSU, Texas, Auburn, NC State, Baylor. You I have them ahead of NC State? Yeah, I don't NC do that. NC State literally <laughs> just beat it. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing here, buddy? That's, that's college football in a nutshell right there. Yeah. How I mean, you doing? Hey, losses don't matter. I thought right? they were better before the game. Yeah. They still the have more talent on their roster, so yeah. we should give them credit for that. That's terrible, Chip. I expect better of you. Baylor, Iowa State, BYU, Wake Forest, UTSA, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Washington. So where do you where do you have them? Silverstein had a field day with this, didn't he? Huh? With mine? You, you got some slack messages about this, didn't you? Or did you not see it? Uh, I mean, it was turned into him. I don't okay. know if you All saw right. it or not. Where, where do you have them, though? Like, what number? Uh, 14. 14? You're, You're the coaches, Paul. Yeah. Who are you voting for out there? You mailing in some coaches poll ranking? I, I still think they are one of the fifth, like a top fifteen team. Man, dude. Which, so I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. You can't base it on, and like. Well, I can again, base it on whatever I want. Yes, not it's my you think they would beat, and that's what drives me nuts. Where did that's I, why I do mine resume based because that's where the did, only way you can do it. Where did you have them ranked before the NC State loss? Nine ish, somewhere around there. So being so losing to NC State. And falling to two and two is worth only a five point drop in your rankings. I don't, when I'm sorting my teams out, I don't have any numbers at the beginning. I just write all the team names out and just start moving them around each other. And then I come in at the very end and put the numbers. Well, sometimes that leads to some surprises. In my opinion, ballot for the Super 16 poll, I did not even consider Clemson for my top 16, my top 16. I don't know where I would put them. They sure as hell wouldn't be in the top 25. Well, you just wrote a feature about how bad the offense is on CBS. It sucks. You can go check out. And guess what? I don't know if you know this or not, but offense is kind of an important part of football. Like defenses aren't winning championships anymore. Offenses are. I, I'm not asking my number 14 team in the country to go compete for a playoff spot or win a national championship. I'm asking you to go like nine and three. 10 and 2. Are you certain and they're going not, they're not going 10 and 2? I'll tell you that right now. And, and all of that is still on the table for the Clemson maybe, Tigers. I I know two of them were in overtime, but they did give up four touchdowns, zero interceptions to our guy Devin Leary. Like when they needed to be great, they weren't. I know. I used, the the ballots turned in. Like you can make all the arguments <laughs> as you want. You are skewing our CBS Sports 130 poll, sir. My name is attached to that. You are um, dragging my reputation through the mud. My name is attached to that. And by the way, <laughs> Clemson came in at number 29 uh, on the consensus. So clearly my number 14 is not skewing it too much if Clemson's at number 29 when all of the ballots are collected. And I don't yell at AP voters too much because I, I do like I practice what I preach in that it's your ballot. You can choose how you want to do it. Like if you want to go only resume based or only predictive metrics, power ratings, and who would be favored, I'm fine with all of that. Do you want to know why they're 29th? Does you you have them 58th? Because I turn in my ballot of all 130 teams using my rating system that is not predictive 
It ranks teams based on nothing but how they've played this year. It takes no preseason like expectations into account, nothing. Just what have you done and who have you done it against? Clemson's number 70 on my ballot. That's the team you have at number 14. Yeah. Because, hey, they were in the playoff last year and the year before. All I know is if this, I don't know if you guys hit this on the reaction box. I don't know if you were able to see it in time. If this NC State upset gives us a new look at Dave Dorn behind the scenes and all of a sudden he's the cigar smoking, solo cup drinking guy that's going to start showing some personality. Give me all of that, Dave Dorn, because we haven't seen that in his entire tenure as head coach of the Wolfpack. So I'm here for it. Did we, did we find out what was in the solo cup? Not technically. I don't know. Some reporter had to have asked, right? I, mean, I, I want to know what was in there. Yeah, me too. I I can guess because the video was at the football facility, and so it was probably a bottle that was in a desk. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just using some He was outside, though, because he had the cigar. There could have been a tailgate around, you know. No, 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 no. I think I think that came from – Came from like, the office? Yeah, I, th- I think they stepped out because those – you don't really go party with fans with that one. I mean, that's one of you and the staff, right? Yeah. And the solo cups get passed around and yeah. every, everybody gets a little poor. He, <laughs> he was at, he made sure to get out in front of that awesome uh, fountain that has all the stone wolves on it. They're like yeah. all climbing the rocks. But um, yeah, I'm going to guess that that came from a bottle that was in a desk that is held only for special occasions and, and beating Clemson at home uh, <laughs> certainly is one of those special occasions. I'm glad um, I got Tom all hot and bothered saying that Clemson preposterous I, things like I'm Clemson shocked. might be one of the 15th best Me teams too. in the country. I'm, I'm shocked that you have them that high. I thought, you know, whatever. No, it's I thought that would be me because I, all I really do is the power ratings. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, like like the resume-wise, that is that is interesting. Uh, yeah, as, as someone who is on the midnight edition of the Saturday, like, Saturday Night Reaction, do we really want to be asking what's in a red solo cup? Like that, Some things are just, <laughs> assume it is whatever you want it to be, right? Well, Barton was pretty forthcoming with his drink of choice late night, right? Oatmeal vodka? Yeah. Oh, yes. oh, oatmeal vodka, oat milk. Oh, oatmeal vodka, yeah. <laughs> oatmeal vodka, Jesus, I'm about to throw up. But Barton wasn't on video. <laughs> uh, that's true. Hey, we, we, I felt you like you we would hear up. that glass clinking, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. Any other uh, any other notes on Clemson? I got only one other real like poll reaction, and uh, and then we can hit the break and do a pun for the review. If Clemson finishes nine and three, you could put it in your top fifteen. Until then, no. All right. Um, so right now, the uh, the big disparity right now, but in the coaches poll and the um, AP poll. In addition to uh, the Clemson Tigers, uh, it is what do you think about Oklahoma? Because Iowa is locked in at number five. I think Iowa's going to be number five for the rest of the year, including being number five in the final college football playoff rankings, being the first team left out. But the AP has Penn State at number four, Oklahoma at number six. Coach's poll has Oklahoma at number four, Penn State at number six. So what kind of guy are y'all? Are you, are you a Penn State or are you an Oklahoma? Based on what you've seen on the field, I got Penn State ahead of Oklahoma. It's not even close. Yeah. I'm just mad at the Oklahoma fans who are chanting, we want Caleb, because I thought it was going to happen. And now Lincoln Riley's be like, well, you guys can't tell me how to coach. He's not going to make that switch now. I'm still waiting for that. Oh, I was wrong on that one. I thought that Oklahoma was going to kick into gear the offense. Um, but, yeah, from what we've seen now on the field, 
I think it's Penn State, and it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm convinced that both of them are going to lose a game at some point. But I think that right now, based on what we've seen, you kind of have to give Penn State the edge simply because of the, you know, the resume of, of who they've beaten and how, even though that Wisconsin win doesn't really look nearly as fun anymore. But I just think that Oklahoma, it's undefeated. and It's playing teams it should be beating by more too close. Penn State's won two marquee games. I feel like if I'm projecting how their seasons are going to go, I think Oklahoma is going to finish ahead of Penn State. But right now, based on what we've seen, I have to have Penn State ahead of Oklahoma. I think it's just really close, right? I mean, is is Auburn demonstrably better than West Virginia has been? Probably not. Like I think West Virginia so far has a better win than anything Auburn has. You know, in in beating Virginia Tech, they played Maryland pretty close. Maryland, you know, this far is undefeated. Penn State single score win over Auburn, right? Um, Oklahoma single score win over West Virginia. Penn State road win against Wisconsin. Wisconsin so far looked pretty competent on offense and it's just not looked great. Oklahoma, more impressive win, I guess, over Nebraska uh, with some flukiness in there. It made it a little closer. I, I think Penn State has been a better team to this point. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate that it's not entirely clear to me that like that Oklahoma is, is worlds behind Penn State right now. I think Oklahoma has a really good defense. Yeah, I think for me, like, the bigger thing is that Iowa's at number five, but we've hyped on, we've, we've harped on that enough. I just don't understand. I understand it. I just don't think it's right. Because of points off turnovers? Because of that and a whole bunch of other things. Is it's, I mean, if you're ranking the undefeated teams, is Iowa better than Penn State, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Michigan, Michigan State? Like, are you 100% convinced that they're better than those teams because they beat an Indiana team that has looked pretty shaky all season long, and then they beat an Iowa State team that just lost to Baylor and is now 2-2? Two and two? I feel like Iowa's resume gets flimsier every single week, yet because it's not losing, it's going to stay at number five. That drives me nuts, too. I think you've got to be flexible with what, like, what wins stay good wins and which ones get weaker and weaker over time and Iowa's resume has gotten weaker and weaker with every passing week including a not so great game against Colorado State so I'm with you like it it's this this season I think is going to drive me nuts because it, we're going to hear a lot of coaches say well we had you know this we beat this top 10 team and we beat this top 10 team we had three wins against top let's see how those wins are stacking up at the end of the season and yeah, it can I- work both ways like Arkansas's win over Texas starting to look a little bit better now after what mm-hmm. Texas did to Texas Tech. Like, it can work both ways, but, man, I think it's going to be frustrating this year without – and this is great. Like, I love it. It's great for us, but I think it's going to be incredibly frustrating to hear. Coaches are going to get into the politics game. They're going to start promoting their teams and their wins because it's going to be it's going to be close, I think. I also – like, don't go with what you were saying about reevaluating things. I think especially early in the season you have to do that. Like, if, if you beat a team that's ranked – number seven in late October, they're like seven and oh or six and one or something. And then that team fades down the second half. I think you can hold that win in higher esteem because they were clearly playing well at that point and you beat them and they've been bad since. But like early in the year, when you beat a team that's ranked 15th, that is one and oh, and then that team is now two and two. I feel like that number 15 should be completely forgotten about when you beat them. So it's kind of a weird balancing act. And don't forget, that that Iowa State win is one of the biggest things Iowa has going for it, at least in terms of uh, where it is in the rankings. 
Coming up on the other side, it's our favorite time uh, to put a close on the weekend that was. Uh, for those of us who were here for the Instant Reaction Pod, the, any final notes, which includes, you know, we record while there's still action going on, and goodness gracious, uh, that's where I'll be going for a pun for the review in one of the Pac-12 games that finished afterwards. But if there's anything else we want to come back to with more time to digest, look at notes, break down some games, we hit it next on a pun for the review. Next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, bud, you did say that you had a good pun for the review locked and loaded. So uh, I'll let you jump into it first before, uh, before, before we start passing it around. Oh, man. Did, uh, did, did you all see the punt that Western Kentucky had? No. One step the stage for this. This is pretty inexcusable. West Kentucky, would we say they have a, a better defense or a better offense? It's always the offense. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, they're playing Indiana. Haven't had a whole lot of stops on the day. So they end up losing this game 33-31. to 31. But let's go back to the fourth oh. quarter. Have you seen this? This is so bad. All right, so fourth quarter, chance to win the game, right? Fourth and one on the Indiana 48. What's the call here? You got to go for this. You have an offense. They punt on fourth and one with that <laughs> offense and that defense. Like the only chance you have to win the game is to roll the dice. Well, actually, I guess punting there technically is the true roll of the dice. If you, if you look at the odds, like you are gambling that your defense is going to get a stop, which is not a good bet. The, the like the safer thing to do is to go for it there. Uh, but wow, that was bad. Uh, oh, guess what happened? It was incredibly disrespectful to Michael Penix. It was Western Kentucky saying, we don't think your Indiana offense is going to get first downs to ice this game. Uh, and then and Michael Penix went ahead and drove 86 yards in That's short it. order to a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Indiana won by what, two? Two. That yeah. seems important. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, what what are you doing, Clay Hilton? Tyson Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Both the Heltons are on our, both the Heltons are on the uh, they're, they're on the list now. Well, speaking of, that's where I wanted to turn my attention because a game that ended after we were uh, done um, with recording the reaction show was Oregon State's I don't know butt whooping of USC like beat down lined up and beat our them Beavers. Yeah. Our beloved Beavs made USC look bad and. 
I the the joke on Twitter was, can you fire a coach twice? Or like, you know, can we like unplug it, plug it back in? You know, all the all the like, what's wrong with USC? So, and and I hate that we've gone totally uh, pessimistic, negative with a lot of this show. If what's the floor for this USC team? Because we have another team that, like Clemson, has a lot of talent. You look at the roster and you can identify blue chip players who will be in the NFL. Yet all of these human beings get together and try to do the same thing when the ball goes hike and it doesn't work, uh, at least not successfully enough to come anywhere close to the expectations. What is the floor for this USC team the rest of the way? It might be this weekend when they go and play Colorado on the road and they're still a seven-point favorite. Um, Mm. Colorado is really having trouble scoring the ball right now. Mm -hmm. Like really just cannot move the ball. Uh, they 17 passes for 67 yards right now. Um, not not great. They, they ran the ball okay. I think Derek Chivarini is a good coordinator. Remember Colorado's quarterback got hurt in the preseason, and we're finally starting to see it now. He just – Derek might be out of tricks here. They, they, this may just be what Colorado's passing offense is, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Can we also speak about one more UFR thing before we jump back into USC? Did you guys watch the end of this Colorado thing? So it's no. 35 to 10. Third and two from the Arizona State 12, Colorado State or Colorado rushes for a loss of three. If you're down 25 points, what do you think you should do? Should you go for it or should you kick the field goal to make the game go from under to over? Like, did, did some important guy from Colorado have the over that like, they needed to? They kicked the field goal to go down 35 13. Like, anytime I could take a 25 point game and make it a 22 point game, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, just wanted to end on a good note, feeling good about themselves, putting points on the board. Yeah, I, I found that hilarious. I just I put myself in the shoes of Carl Dorella, and I just think it's good to get these live reps for uh, my field goal unit. Do you know how few times our field goal unit and other red zone and special team situations are going to get out there? Might as well give them a go. I have I have two upon further reviews. Okay, one is something we didn't mention on Saturday night's show. We never got around to it, thankfully. Uh, last week. Illinois, fourth and one, the Maryland 41-yard line up a score, decides to punt. Maryland drives right down the field, goes 94 yards, scores a touchdown to tie the game, wins it. Saturday, on the road against Purdue, Illinois up three on Purdue in a 9-6 to six just slobber knocker. Fourth and two, and I think it was the Purdue 35 or 36. I can't remember. They've got a running back who is averaging over six yards per carry and Purdue has shown absolutely no desire to want to tackle Illinois punts Purdue drives right down the field, scores a touchdown. It's two weeks in a row. Illinois decided to punt on fourth and short in opponent territory and it's caused them a game. And number two is we've talked about Nebraska's special teams on Saturday night. So I was looking up the stats today just to drive the point further home. Worst special teams, EPA, in the nation, you know, for all 130 teams, EPA, for those you don't know, it's a nerd stat called expected points added, which is oh, basically I know who this is. Which is basically how many points are you adding per play? Nebraska is far and away the worst in the nation through week four. They are at negative 37.92. The next worst is Tulsa at negative 29.67. So, yes, Nebraska fans. That's like a full standard deviation above the second worst team in the country. Exactly. That's hard to do. Your, your special teams are just as bad as you think they are. 
Now, uh, is that accumulative? Does EPA accumulate such mm-hmm. that that negative 37 means that five touchdowns have potentially been lost because of poor special teams play over the course of four games? Yeah, I mean, there's more context that you have to add to it than that that balances out in other areas. But yes, just purely special teams plays, they've cost themselves over five touchdowns. Mm. Um, Tom, you'll be happy to know, and I have not adjusted this for garbage time, so take it for what it's worth. Illinois is 128th in decision EPA. So uh, making the correct decision. It's like like if you take them to the black, the blackjack table and they're hitting on 19 routinely. Just, just real dumbassery there. But I do have a, a conspiracy theory, if you want to hear it, on why Bielema yes. is botching the situation so much. You know how he was getting sued by Arkansas, or he was suing Arkansas, and they were suing him back for the buyout? Mm-hmm. And they were claiming he was, like, working for the Patriots. And he's like, no, I'm just kind of interning. Maybe, like, Bill Belichick's smart about this. He doesn't mess this up. Maybe this is a long con by, by, by Brett Bielema to be like, look, I wasn't even in the building, right? I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't really working there. Look at these <laughs> terrible decisions I made. Clearly, if I was actually working for Belichick, and picked up something, I would not be doing this dumb stuff. Like maybe this is just a long con for him to get that full buyout from Arkansas. I I think that could be it. I also think it's far more likely that you look at the time he was away from college. The one thing that changed the most in college football since Bielema was at Arkansas to when he came back was when he was still at Arkansas, you could trust your defense to win you a game. You can't do that anymore. Mm. You don't think it's a long con for like good year over year numbers? Like if I make the wrong decision every single time, then I am guaranteed to have an increase in wins in year two, and people will think that this program's on the right trajectory. I, these are all stellar theories. I got I got it upon further review for you. All right, from an instant review video replay. I have a new favorite coach in college football, Sean Elliott, head coach at Georgia State. Who's up beating Auburn? Do you guys see his comments after the game? Because the SEC has a rule, right? Like they don't out each other. You don't badmouth anything about the conference. Well, when you're not in the conference, you can let it rip and just shoot from the hip, which is what Sean Elliott said after the game. Controversial late call, Auburn. Did you guys see the replay, by the way? I thought it was pretty clear cut, cut and dry. The ball hit the ground, helped him. But uh, his quote, Sean Elliott, they had a little bit of help on that review where the ball was incomplete. It should have been put back in the 30-yard line. But you know, when you play in the SEC, you have to take the hits. And they gave us a real gut punch on that call. New favorite coach right there. So I did see the play, and it was a bad call. It should have been an incomplete pass. Yes. However... That was one play of 13 on this drive. <laughs> it drove the length. 98 yards <laughs> across down the field. So one 19-yard gain, um, yes, it probably was a gut punch. Yeah. But for the other of the 98 yards that were um, chewed up in this game, uh, I think that it made it feel a little bit less of a like this one call because it wasn't the touchdown. It was on a first and 10. It wasn't even a third down. It was just... <laughs> a play in a 98 yard drive but i'm with you it's I, I like to see sean elliott uh shooting off a little bit it was a great effort by georgia state and you probably want to show your team that right like you just want to go and throw some haymakers because your defense did everything possible to be able to put you in the position to win that game but they just were not going to be able to nurse a 24 to 12 lead on the road against an SEC opponent forever. I know if I was one of his players, I'd want him taking haymakers at the officials than me in pregame warmups because that's what he's (laughs) out there doing as a quarterback. I'm like, no, I don't need, I'm good. I don't need a slap upside the head. I'm good. I will say like, you know, 
all we can ever ask for our officials in any sport is that they be consistent. And at least between the uh, kick return in the Mississippi State game last week, the the punt on third down in the Penn State Auburn game, and then that play in, in the Auburn, at least they are consistently terrible. So you know you know what to expect. Um, Tom, you mentioned that that punt in the fourth quarter. You didn't mention the punt in the first quarter on fourth and two with nine minutes left in the se- or in in the first quarter. Fourth and two from the Purdue 49, Illinois punted there too. Like, how many possessions can you piss away? That's crazy. Year over year, we're just trying to make it look like we're better in year two. I mean, already I, planning. Also, I, I have a rule proposal. Um, if we have to go to replay, the call on the field doesn't matter, right? It's bang, bang. If it's, if it's unclear enough that we have to go to replay, let's use the video. Let's use the independent ref and let's have him make the best possible judgment. I think this deference to the call on the field is stupid. If it's cl- if it's so unclear that we have to go to replay anyway, the call on the field can't be that good, right? But what I do you do if you can't tell? Like, and there's that that happens all the time. Like the official, they don't they can't overturn it. They they don't know what to do either. Then what do you do? I think it's it's a fair question. I think you have to use your best judgment, right? I mean, there's nothing that says you can't be. Talking to Which the guy I think on is the why they say if it's not clear cut, they're just going to go with the ruling on the field. I totally hear what you're saying. I just don't know if there is a solution because a lot of times we're watching and it goes to review and you're like, I can't tell what there, way it was. There is a solution. Just get rid of review. Yeah, I would I would lean towards Tom. And I think every player <laughs> would too. Players like, don't want it. Like, dude, bad calls are a part of the game. If you limited it to like scoring plays or like the final two minutes of a half or something <laughs> – I think we'd all be much happier. Any other uh, any other final notes uh, from week four before we uh, shut the book and, and spin it forward? Uh, just start uh, Finley, TJ Finley already. Don't play games all week, Brian Harson. Just just make the move. I know it's hard. It's your favorite son. It's Auburn's own. You wouldn't have the uh, the medical staff evaluate him throughout the week to see uh, you know see see how how he's going to do. Is because that's the I mean he got benched though. It wasn't Well, hell. he got hit and then he got benched. Yeah. I, mean, I don't need to see anymore. <laughs> but I mean, did was Finley even all that good in relief? No, but So that's the thing. I bet you like if you're Brian Harson and you had to make that move, it's like, yeah, you came back to win, but man, it would have been nice if Finley had just been like 12 for 16 for like 120 yards in that touchdown instead of 9 for 16 and averaging only 6.1 yards per attempt. Because <laughs> it's like, you would just, like at that point, it's like, well, how can we not go with him? He played too well, but it's like he was so mediocre that it's like, oh, God, I don't know. How much more quarterback matter against LSU? Because LSU's run defense, as we discussed all offseason, and got a bunch of blowback from LSU fans. Remember? I was like, it's not good. They're like, no, the pass defense is bad. It's like, I don't know. On an efficiency basis, y'all's run defense was terrible last year. Let's see if it's any better. UCLA ran all over him. Does Bo Nix get a second chance because uh, all the blame gets put on wide receivers coach Cornelius Williams, who was fired on Friday? Like, if you're you're the Auburn coaching staff, does making this change – mean that you've got to shake up um, whatever responsibilities there are, game day, game week, or otherwise, and then give it a go with the the new leadership structure? I, I don't know what happened there, so I, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and, and, and comment on something. It's a little bit weird to fire somebody after that amount of time. Um, I know that our Auburn 24-7 guys reported it was for football-related reasons, so like not any kind of like 
off field. I saw 60 minutes of football-related reasons on Saturday. Sure. <laughs> At least but for like, some what, kind of changes. When's the last time Auburn had good receivers? Fair. Like if Texas A&M fired its receivers coach tomorrow, nobody would be like, oh, what a terrible move. Like they've had bad receiver play for Jimbo's entire time there, right? That may just be the offense. But like sometimes it makes sense. Now he does. He did promote a guy who came from came with him from Boise. So maybe that's he wanted to get. He's a former offensive coach. Like it might have been a little bit more of we're not all on the same page, and it's starting yeah. to really impact uh, the way that things are happening on the field. That was my bet, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's my bet. I mean, I can say I can hear football reasons and look at Auburn's offense and feel as though I have enough football reasons. I don't even need to assume that there was anything weird or nefarious or you know going on behind the scenes. There may be, but I I feel confident that I've seen enough uh, for Brian Harson to make a change, and I've got uh, it's fitting that he's at Auburn because I've got Brian Harson as a head coach in the SEC that will not bend to the normal curve of expectations uh, when it comes to decision making and sort of the way you handle business. So if he does something we're not used to, like fire a wide receivers coach just because you don't like the way things are going, maybe that's Brian Harson. Who knows? Um, any other notes? I want to give a uh, Coach of the Month award uh, to Mel Tucker. Now, should they have lost to Nebraska? Maybe. But I think he's just getting every single little bit out of this team. Did a nice job in the transfer portal. Made up for some lost time. They've had pretty good injury luck so far this year, which helps, but he's doing a really good job. Only one negative uh, decision EPA call of the entire year. So, like I said, he's not – He's not you know, kind of kneecapping his own team's effort. They're going for it when they should, which is great to see from a defensive head, you know, defensive-minded head coach. Like that's what Nick Saban does. If you're a defensive-minded head coach and you want to be successful, you have to like give your offense every single chance to be good and say, "Look, my defense will bail us out if this call doesn't work." So, uh, yeah, shout out to Mel Tucker doing a really nice job at Michigan State. Michigan State, let's go to a bowl. Let's cash that over ticket. All right, let's uh, let's coach of the month. Grab. Uh... Grab a question real quick before we get out of here. I know Arkansas doesn't beat Georgia, but how would it be possible? It's possible. Defensively, you limit them. You keep the game low, and you make a play. Maybe you score some points on special teams or defense, but I don't – I mean, I don't think Arkansas is going to beat Georgia either, but like I said the other night, I didn't think Arkansas was beating Texas. I didn't think Arkansas was beating Texas A&M. It won both those games. I think it's possible. Um, you're going to need the defense to probably score. And I think maybe that's how it happens, right? We, we are impressed with what Georgia's offense is, is doing recently. But it's South Carolina, it's Vanderbilt, and it's UAB. And I'm not even convinced UAB tried in that game. Like, UAB may just be playing for its conference season, which some people think is what they do. Uh, maybe Georgia's offense is not quite ready. And this is not me saying it is because, like, hell, I'm, I may still bet Georgia at this point. We'll see. Uh, but that's mainly because I think Arkansas's offense has some real limitations. Maybe if those offensive linemen are, are healthy and good to go. KJ Jefferson apparently going to practice this week, so that's that's encouraging. But it's probably defensive scores for Arkansas. Um, I just have a hard time. How many points do you like? Best case scenario, what, what does Arkansas score against four? Like in, yeah, in yeah. Stanford without a defensive score or like you know short field. That's 24 feels like a lot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's like the best case. Correct. Um, I I think that this will be a great test for 
I think Georgia wins. I think it'll be a great, great test for JT Daniels because of the way we've seen Arkansas's defense just kind of throw uh, quarterbacks off their game entirely. You know, that rush three drop eight has beaten a lot of quarterbacks. JT Daniels has a lot more experience than a lot of the quarterbacks that Arkansas has really been able to, uh, to mess with defensively. But if that passing game, JT Daniels is not finding his windows because of all of that athleticism and the way that they read and fly to the ball and they're not getting a lot of yak and it's just trying to dink and dunk and make some contested throws and leaning on the, on the run game as much as possible. That's, this is an awesome test for me for Georgia's offense and where it's at because if Georgia's offense puts up 30 points on this Arkansas defense, okay, giddy up. You know, all your, like, does Georgia deserve consideration for number one debates? I'll take them if Georgia's offense is clicking here. But if Arkansas is going to win this game, it's going to be because Georgia falls short when it has the ball. Another thing that I think we should point out too, because we spend a lot of time talking about Georgia's defense, like looking at True Media's success rate stat. Do you know what team ranks first in offensive success rate this year? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, and that's with that Clemson game baked in. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they have just destroyed everybody. Um, it's Georgia and Michigan, right? Like when a lot of the like big time efficiency stats seem to be populating those two near the top. Michigan's 26. Second right now is actually Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You know who's fourth? You'll never guess who's fourth, so I'll just tell you. Baylor. Baylor is... Uh, we got some negative comments about Baylor in in the chat and from uh, from Twitter. Look, Baylor has another opportunity this weekend. You know, we'll, we'll see. I actually think they have a decent shot to go on the road and beat Oklahoma State. They passed the test against Iowa, Iowa State, even though, like, Almost all their yards came in their first three drives, and they didn't do a damn thing the rest of the game. Um, they, I, like the reason why I'm hesitant to buy in on Baylor a little bit is because that schedule just early on mm-hmm. was so bad, uh, just just not not a competitive slate that they played. Um, Why'd we get negative comments? Who was talking bad about Baylor? Uh, we didn't give enough love. We didn't get enough love to Baylor. I was like, good job to Baylor. They were like, you guys are more about just dunking on the fact that you were right about your Iowa State take, which we were. So, we were. That's true. Yeah, that true. To we, it. we should talk more about that. I will um, say Baylor Baylor reminds me like it's funny because we think of where they were and what kind of team they were under Art Bryles offensively and now under Aranda they 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 strike me as a team that would just fit right at home in the Big 10 West right now. Yeah. You think so? Yes, they would be perfect in the they, Big 10 West. Like a they do they, they kind They're of an Iowa-ish type of team but with a better uh, offense. Right. Mm. I think so. Good stuff. Uh, reminder, if you want to get a question in for the mailbag on Wednesday, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review. Uh, in the review, put your question. We'll add it to the big old bag of mail. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can watch this on Further Review Monday show every single Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover3. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Grazie.
Last Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.